chapter 18, verse 1 through 5, it tells us, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, I am the Lord your God. According to the doings of the land of Egypt, where you dwell, you shall not do. And according to the doings of the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you, you shall not do. Nor shall you walk in their ordinances. You shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. So again, we, this was the foundation that God sets before he begins to talk to them about sexual conduct, sexual immorality. This is God's sex ed class, if you would. And he puts the whole foundation on that he is the Lord. We were reminded last time, the one who freed them from Egypt, the one who saved them, the one who rained down bread from heaven, gave them ravens to eat, healed the bitter waters, that was all the Lord. We looked at many scriptures last week. Uh, we could just finish off with James 1.17. It tells us every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. Again, our God is a good God. Probably one of his greatest character traits, characteristics is his goodness, his grace towards us. If he didn't have grace, if he didn't have goodness towards us, he wouldn't have sent Jesus to die for us. He wouldn't have want restoration with us. He wouldn't want to take broken things and heal them and make them new. Again, the goodness of God. So as God is giving these rules and regulations... As God is giving the instruction manual to sex, because who created sex? It was God. And here he's giving the instruction manual, if you would. We need to be reminded he is a good God. He is a good, good God. He's not doing this out of evil or maliciousness or trying to take the fun out of life. Contrary, he put sex into life and into marriage so that we could enjoy it and enjoy our spouses in a special way. In verse 3, he reminds them, you are not to act like Egyptians from the past, and you're not like to act like the Canaanites in the future, and you're going to live among them. You are to act like Israelites. And that's a good reminder to us, especially to the parents. Any parents here tonight? Right? Lots of us, right? You are to raise a kingdom of priests and kings. You're not raising Canaanites and you're not raising Egyptians. You're raising, hopefully, Christians. And that's your role, that's your job, to raise a kingdom of priests and kings to God, set apart for the things of God. Oh, why? Again, because He is the Lord your God. And if He's your Lord, you have to obey Him. If not, he's not your Lord, right? That famous quote by Hudson Taylor, Christ is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. Either he's Lord of all of your life, your bank account, your cable subscriptions, your YouTube search history, your message search history. You, either he's Lord of everything, right? Your diet, your exercise, we go into everything, every aspect of our lives, our spending habits, the way we view ourselves, the way we talk to people. Either he's Lord of all of it, or he's not the Lord at all. 
Again, we need to obey him. We cannot call him Lord and disobey him at the same time. It just doesn't work. Our standard of sexual conduct should only come from God and from God's word. It shouldn't come from what Hollywood is telling us or social media is telling us or this guru or this person or that marriage expert. Our standards for sexual conduct should only come from God and from his word. Listening to a teaching, and it's so true, no one has regrets of not being more promiscuous before marriage. Right? Anyone, after they get married, they say, man, I, I just wish I slept around a little bit more. I had a really terrible husband, terrible wife, right? I think this marriage is over before it started, right? That's a, that would be a terrible idea. And yet the enemy lies to us and this world lies to us, basically telling, if you ask certain experts today, they'll tell you to have sex with as many people and as many things as possible. That it's completely up to you. It's completely up to what you want and what you feel like doing. But we need to be reminded that God is the one who created sex. God is the one who created marriage. God is the one who created family. And God created these things to be the cornerstone of a nation and of a society. And as family goes, as marriage goes, as sex goes, so goes a nation and a society. I haven't been in history class in a long, long time. But you look at each society, each nation, each world power and as their promiscuity rose and rose and rose, it would cripple an entire powerhouse of a nation. As marriages and families are broken, there goes the nations. Verse 5, expounding on this a bit more, right? God says, if we do this, we shall live by them. Doing God's word causes life to come into us, not death. John chapter 10, verse 10 and 11, we mentioned it last week. Jesus has come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Again, he's, he wants to give us life so much. He was willing to give up his own life to save us and give us life. So does he have evil intent? Is he trying to hold back something from us? No, he wants us to do it in the right way that brings life. Who's the opposite? It's the thief. It's the enemy. It's Satan. And his reason for coming is to steal and to kill and destroy. God's laws, they lead to life. God's laws are also not burdensome. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, it says, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Again, his commandments, they're not a burden. They lead to freedom. They lead to life. Jesus tells us in John chapter 8, verse 34, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Again, that's God's desire. That's Jesus' desire for each of us is to adopt us as sons and as daughters that we'd be in his home for all of eternity. And Jesus has come to make us free to break the bondage of sin over our lives. Even when it comes to sex, right? Last, last week we ended on if we've been broken or abused, right? A family member, someone took advantage of us, that Jesus wants to free us from that guilt, from that shame, from those memories, from that brokenness. He wants to heal us from that. 
He even wants to heal us from the unforgiveness many people can have after that happens to them. Jesus wants to forgive us, wants to free us. Past habits, habits of sexual promiscuity, multiple partners, pornography, masturbation. He wants to free us from all of those things. That's his desire for us. Couple of statistics before we dive into this, right? Some people think the Bible, it's not for today, it's not relevant. Uh, but again, this is one of the most relevant chapters we're gonna go through here in Leviticus. Couple of statistics on pornography 12% of the websites on the internet are pornographic. That's over 24 million different pornographic websites. Every second, on average, $3,000 is being spent on pornography. Every second. 28,000 internet users are viewing pornography. 40 million Americans are regular visitors to pornographic sites. One in three porn viewers are women. And 70% of men aged 18 to 24 visit a pornographic website at least once a month. In the U.S., the internet porn business pulls in over $2.8 billion per year. And worldwide, the industry is worth about $5 billion. There's 2.5 billion emails per day that are pornographic. That's over 8% of all emails. 25% of all search engine requests are pornographic. That's 28 million a day. 35% of all internet downloads are pornographic. Again, pornography, it's just the biggest vice within our nation today. Probably the greatest addiction and the most addicting habit today. And it's a battle in in the church. There's many young men and young ladies that attend church regularly. And they would say that they battle with pornography. But Jesus has come to make us free. Jesus calls us to bring that out in the light. That as many people struggle with this, again, Satan bullies us and keeps us in corners thinking we can't beat it. We're the only one. We're ashamed. And to just stay alone. Got to bring it into the light. Now, these are some stats from cdc.gov. All the following stats I pulled from cdc.gov. Whether you believe that website or not, hey, that's up to you. But cdc.gov, it tells us, this is pre, some pre-COVID stats, if you would, right? In 2009, 46% of high school students had had sex. About half of every single uh, high school student, they've had sex within being in high school or before. The U.S. pregnancy rate among youth aged 12 to 19 within the U.S. is one of the highest in all of the, the developed world. The U.S., one of the highest pregnancy rates of ladies 12 to 19 years old. Reported STDs in the U.S. reached an all-time high for the sixth consecutive year. That's every year for the last six years, there's more STDs than the year before, and more STDs than the year before, and more STDs than the year before. In 2019, over half, that's 55% of all reported cases of STDs, sexually transmitted diseases, were among adolescents and young adults aged 15 to 24 years of age. So more than half of the STDs out there are happening in kids and youth 15 to 24 years old. The CDC estimated in 2018 that there were 26 million new sexually transmitted infections and half of them were in young adults 15 to 24. In 2018, the CDC estimated that there were over 68 million sexually transmitted infections in the U.S. 68 million. 
One in five people in the U.S. have a sexually transmitted infection. And in 2018, sexually transmitted infections cost over $18 billion in medical care. This is straight from the CDC website. Sexually transmitted diseases disproportionately affect gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with other men in the U.S., just a proven fact. You're more prone to it if you live a sexual, a bisexual or gay lifestyle. More than half of all new HIV infections occur in men with men relationships. On their website, the number one way to prevent an STD, abstinence. Imagine that, right? Number one way. Second way, they say to use contraceptives. Third way, have less partners. Fourth way is to get vaccinated, right? I don't know if you've had that difficult conversation as a parent yet with your doctor trying to vaccinate your kids from uh, different sexually transmitted diseases. More than half of all new HIV infections occur in same-sex attracted people. One study showed that 60% of patients who suffer sexual dysfunction with a real partner did not have the same problem with pornography. Again, the dangers of pornography, the dangers of the sex that's going on and running rampant in our world today. Listening to one podcast, they were describing how many young men today aren't giving the time of day to certain great young women because their active involvement in pornography makes them think they deserve some top model or perfect women. Again, it's perverting the minds everywhere. And I don't have the stats from the last time we talked about this. Most parents don't think their kids are having a problem with this. Most of the parents that think that, their kids are having a problem with that. I think the average age is like 11 years old when someone sees their first pornographic images. Again, it's a battle today. And when someone has the actual addiction, one study showed that only 9% of people that had the active addiction to pornography actually thought that they had the addiction. That means 90% of people that are addicted to this don't think that they're addicted to it. Again, the dangers of this addiction. And however, if we would just be obedient to God's word, we'd be freed from so many things, right? We would have less weight. Some of us here, right, we've tasted of sin and the death that's associated with it, the brokenness that's associated with it. We don't allow that to now allow the enemy to condemn us and hit us over the head with it. We take that to the Lord and ask him to free us and cleanse us from our sins, and he promises us to do so. However, the, the stats and the truth of this should be a fire in our belly to warn our sons and daughters, to warn the people that we love. It should also be a fire in our belly that there's no room for us to be taking our cues for what's okay in sex from the world. Because the world is even saying that it's bad. That it's harmful. That it's costing more. Uh, one study I saw that if you want to increase the chances that your marriage is going to last forever by 20%, you get married within your 20s. That the younger you get married, the better chance your marriage has to stay married for forever. And yeah, I was talking with one young man on Monday night and he's talking about getting married. I'm saying, man, that's awesome. That's great. They're in their 20s. He goes, it's weird. At church, I talk to people and they're all excited. I talk to my unbelieving coworkers, and they all tell me I'm crazy. They all tell me to wait. They all tell me to, to wait. And again, our world is telling us the exact opposite, just like for the Israelites. The Canaanites, the Egyptians, they were living in a polar 
opposite way. Again, we don't have time to get into this, but every single one of the wretched acts that we're going to read through this evening, they were being practiced by either the Canaanites or the Egyptians. And that's why God is warning them, hey, do not do these things. Again, if you're here, the only person you should be having sex with is the person that you are legally married to. That's the biblical standard. Right? This teaching, it could have been one sentence. Only have sex with the person you're legally married to. That is a man or a woman opposite of you. Amen. Right? That could have been the whole teaching. Right? <laughs> Honestly, that's all covered in there. But we're going to go through it. Leviticus 18, verse 6. Some of you were hoping I was going to pray right there. Leviticus 18, verse 6. None of you shall approach anyone who is near of kin to him to uncover his nakedness. I am the Lord. Uncover his nakedness is a nicer way of saying sexual relations. You're going to see that term used 17 times in this chapter. Verse 7, the nakedness of your father or the nakedness of your mother you shall not uncover. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. Verse 8, the nakedness of your father's wife, you shall not uncover. It is your father's nakedness. The nakedness of your sister, the daughter of your father, or the daughter of your mother, whether born at home or elsewhere, their nakedness you shall not uncover. The nakedness of your son's daughter or your son's daughter's daughter, their nakedness you shall not uncover. For theirs is your own nakedness. The nakedness of your father's wife's daughter, begotten by your father, she is your sister, you shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister, she is near of kin to your father. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, for she is near of kin to your mother. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother, you shall not approach his wife, she is your aunt. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law, she is your son's wife. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. It is your brother's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman and her daughter, nor shall you take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness. They are near of kin to her. It is wickedness. Sandy Adams. This is Sandy Adams. He said, have you ever heard the joke of the redneck that went to a family reunion looking for a date? That's exactly what that whole paragraph's about. Again, the danger. No one within your family should you ever be looking at with any longing eyes, whether it's through relative, by marriage, in-laws, anything like that. It's out of bounds. It's not okay. In the beginning in Genesis, that's basically what happened. Weird to us, foreign to us. The genetic code is a lot different with so much purity. We can go into that into another teaching. However, verse 8, it gives us a little bit of a key here. It tells us the nakedness of your father's wife you shall not uncover. It is your father's nakedness. And here we see again a bit about marriage and the beauty of it. That a husband and a wife belong to each other and their nakedness belongs to each other and no one else. That within marriage there is protection there, there is purity there and God has created it for a man and a woman who are married to be able to lay with each other naked if that's what they want to do. 
Within marriage, that's what God has created. He has made this not for a taboo thing that we never talk about or we never look at or we never talk to our kids about. It is a beautiful thing that God has created for a husband and for a wife. The beginning, if you would, of the family dynamic. And it all starts off in Genesis chapter 2, verse 21 through 25. We could turn there. We're going to read later on how Jesus himself, he references this same portion of scripture but in Genesis chapter 2 all the way in the beginning who's the one who instituted marriage it's not the U.S. government it's not our state representatives it's not our supreme court it is God himself who created sex it's not us it's not our government it wasn't the Chinese with their weird book or anything like that it's God himself is the one who created sex Genesis chapter 2 Verse 21 through 25, again, the whole picture of what's happening here. God sees that Adam, it's not good that he's alone. And in verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into woman. And he brought her to the man. Then, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones. And flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, watch this, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, end of the verse, and were not ashamed. Husbands, you shouldn't be poking your wives with your elbows. Again, they were both naked and not ashamed. This is what God created. This is what he instituted. He decided to make this this way. Everett Harrison, he says, marriage as a social institution is regarded throughout scripture as the cornerstone of all other structures. And hence its purity and its integrity must Be protected at all times. The purity and integrity of marriage needs to be protected at all times. God is the one that created it. Again, why has our nation for so many decades tried to destroy marriage? Over and over again. Again, Satan, he hates it. Why? Because marriage is a picture that God has created to show the love of Christ for the church. And that's why Satan hates that, because he hates Jesus and he hates you and I. We can turn to Ephesians chapter 5, that famous chapter on marriage, and how Paul ties it all together as a picture of Jesus Christ and the bridegroom. The bridegroom and the bride. Again, that's why we as husbands, we need to be looking at, man, am I a husband that loves his wife as Christ has loved the church and given himself up for her. But we'll read through the whole portion of scripture. Ephesians chapter 22 through verse 33. Stick with me here. 11 verses. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and 
gave himself for her. Again, husbands, we are to love in a sacrificial manner. We should be giving of our lives to our wives as Jesus Christ laid down his own life for the church. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Again, husbands here, are our wives holier and more cleansed in God's word because of our actions as a husband? Or are they worse off because of our actions as a husband? That's a great question to ask yourself to see, man, am I doing well at this whole husband thing or am I failing? Because our role is to cause more sanctification and cleansing and washing by the word of God in our wives as Christ does that in our lives. Verse 28, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Again, husbands, are we nourishing and cherishing our wives? Are we taking care of her as much as we take care of ourselves? That's what we're called to do. Verse 30, for we are members of his body and his flesh and his bones for this reason. Right? Sound familiar? A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Again, our nation's been battling against this for decades, whether it's when they created no-fault divorce, whether it was when the sexual revolution happened and started growing, right, with the hippies and stuff like that, whether it's the growth of pornography in the 90s on the internet, and whether it's homosexuality being voted as something that can be married, right, marriage there within our Supreme Court. Our nation, our world, if you would, is fighting against marriage because Satan, he's the prince of the air. He's the one that owns this world for a short season. But sooner or later, we sing it from time to time, Jesus is the one who owns the deed to this earth. We jump back to Leviticus 18. We read already through all the portion of incest and abuse. Again, parents, if you weren't here last week, be wise with your kids. It only takes one time. Only takes one time for their worlds to be shattered and changed for the rest of their lives. We have to be wise. I was sharing again, just sleepovers, right? Nothing good happens at sleepovers. I don't think anybody ever got their best job ever at a sleepover, right? Met their spouse at a sleepover. The Lord spoke to them in the middle of a sleepover, right? Be careful. Be wise. I was talking with uh, one of the sisters from the church, and she goes, everything you said was right on. I think she's a social worker, and she says, most of the time, it's someone within the family. All the horror stories that ever happen, it's a cousin, a brother, an uncle, a grandparent. It always happens within the family. There's never some monster outside lurking. That can happen as well. But for us to be wise, right? Again, gentle, but wise. 
We continue uh, verse 18. Verse 16, real quick, right again, this reminds us, you shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. It is your brother's nakedness. Again, brother, his wife, they belong to each other. The husband belongs to the wife. The wife belongs to the husband. That's the way God has created it. Verse 17 and 18, right, you shall not mess with a woman and her sister. We see Jacob and Israel, right, his life. Is that a marriage that you wanted to have, right? The infighting between sisters, the infighting between all the kids. Again, just a terrible idea for the family. You think of Solomon, a thousand women to take care of and a thousand mother-in-laws to take care of, right? Again, not, not a wise way to live. Verse 19, also you shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is in her customary impurity. We get this from Leviticus 15 verse 19. This is talking about a ceremonial impurity, a ceremonially being unclean. Uh, verse 20, it says, moreover, you shall not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife to defile yourself with her. Again, we are not called to be Canaanites. We're not called to be Egyptians. We are called to be the sons and daughters of the Lord. And our television programs, our whatever you're into, right? All the media out there paints adultery as something that's fun, right? Just a fling. There's been TV shows, right? Sex in the City, Desperate Housewives, all this garbage. And there's many Christians that watch this without batting an eye. And it is defiling. That's what God's Word says, right? Movies that are coming out one after the other, right? Fifty Shades of Grey. Different stuff like this. What are you watching as a believer? Are you defiling yourself? And now lying to yourself, saying that this is okay. No, this is all raging against the Lord. You go to Exodus chapter 20. That's where we see the Ten Commandments, verse 14 through 17. Because I think oftentimes once adultery is committed, there are several other commandments that end up being broken at the same time. But Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. Verse 15, you shall not steal Verse 16, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. That's lying. Verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. Watch it, right? You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, anything that is your neighbor. This all starts off with our minds and with our heart. We go to Matthew chapter 5, and we could read through Leviticus 18 or through Exodus, and we say, man, that's difficult. But for us as believers, Jesus ups the ante and he warns us that this all starts off with our minds, our thought process. What are we dwelling on? What is going on in our minds? What daydreaming is occurring? What thoughts are happening? What plans are happening within our minds? Because this is where sin is really born and where we act on it. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 27, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. 
For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perishes than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Now Sunday morning, I don't want to see a bunch of people with eye patches. Or hooks, right? That's not what Jesus is talking to us about. If you've ever seen that Ray Charles movie, he committed lots of adultery, right? He was blind. It's not about if you could see or not see. It's about the heart. Some people just got that joke, right? It's about your heart. And what's going on in your heart? If you're just dwelling on this, if you're looking at a girl, again, pornography, masturbation, where does this all come from? The, the mind, the heart, what are we looking on? That's why it's so important to be in God's word, to be about God's business. It helps us with this. And the problem today, again, listening, is many young people may not necessarily be committing adultery, right? You might not be hearing about polygamy that often, but there are many men and women committing electronic adultery. Many men and women committing electronic polygamy. Several partners every night, as many as they want throughout the week. This has plagued our nation. It's crippling our nation. It's killing many of the young men today. Many young men, they don't have the same drive to get married because they can just have sex as much as they want with as many women as they want on any night all through the internet. And as virtual reality continues to grow and grow, you better believe the money that's being spent to pornography is going to be pushed over to that. Again, parents, be careful with the toys you buy your children. We have to be careful with this. We have to be real with this, the plague of pornography in our nation and in our world. We've got to treat it as it is. It's sin that leads to death. We have to cut it off. At the end there, what does it tell us back in Leviticus 18? It doesn't tell us that it's a fling. It doesn't tell us that it's a joy or that it's fun. It's an affair. It's exhilarating. It tells us to defile yourself with her. In the end, it always leads to filth, disgust, and shame for not only both parties, but the family members and the friends of these parties. Again, do not allow the television to sell you any other lie. Don't allow Netflix or YouTube or social media sell you any other lie. It always leads to filth, disgust, and shame. Proverbs 20 verse 17 tells us bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be filled with gravel. Again, sin is sweet for a season, but in the end it's bitter, it's disgusting, it's having your stomach filled with rocks. Romans chapter 6 verse 21 through 23. It tells us what fruit did you have then in the things which you are now ashamed for the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and becoming slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and to the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, family, may we be pursuing the fruit of holiness in our lives because that's only going to lead to everlasting life. 
When we're pursuing sin and sinful things, the things this world tells us is good and okay and is fun, you got to just be free, you just got to explore. The end of those things is death. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, it tells us that Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoying the passing pleasures of sin. Again, it's a passing pleasure. It goes by so quickly. I can't ever talk about this without talking about someone who's lactose intolerant, eating ice cream or milkshakes, right? It's a passing pleasure. But in the end, it's basically death, right? That night, their stomach, what's going on? The next morning, death is what's coming out. Death is what's happening to you. And it's just a passing pleasure. It's a passing pleasure. Ah, it's going to be okay. It's going to be worth it. And then the next morning, your, your wife is saying, I told you not to drink that. I told you this was going to happen. And that's what happens to us with sin. James chapter 1, verse 15, it tells us when it's fully born, when it's fully grown, sin brings forth death. Just as God is the creator of marriage and family and sex, God is the creator of everything. These laws cannot be broken. These are, this is a law. This is a law that God has spoken into existence, into the universe. That sin, when it's full grown, can only bring death. There's no other way around it. If you're in sin, the end of it can only lead to death. That word defile, it's to make unclean, to make filthy, to corrupt the purity or the perfection of something, to dishonor and to desecrate. And Hebrews 13 verse 4 tells us that marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Again, God holds marriage as something that's honorable and undefiled and beautiful. But when we sleep around, when we go around looking for someone else to have a fling or enjoyment, it leads to fornication and adultery, and God will judge that. The problem here is that it does not only dishonor the perpetrators, but it dishonors everyone around them. There's grave consequences to this. It breaks the husband's heart, the wife's heart, the kid's heart, the grandparents' heart, the pastor's heart. The person you serve with, the person you love, the person in youth, the person in young adults, the person in Spanish ministry, it breaks them. It hurts them. And your passing pleasure of sin will lead to death, not only in your life, but in all the people you love. That's why you need to deal with it as soon as possible. The sooner you deal with it, the more you minimize the death and the damage that takes place. And they will respect you a whole lot more if you come clean and you're honest with them than trying to hide it and be found out about it later on. What's another rule, another law God puts into place? All things that are hidden will come out to the light. If you're here and you're listening to this online in person 10 years from now and you're trying to hide your sin, sooner or later your sin will find you out and it will come out into the light. But our sin always has devastating consequences, not only to our own lives, but the people around us. David Guzik in his commentary, he cites an article from the Los Angeles Times that's headlined, Parents' Affairs Can Devastate Kids. 
When, parent, when parents go outside the marital vows, they are taking a shotgun and firing it into a crowd. That shot will hurt a spouse, sure, but more than likely it will also take out some people who were never intended to get hit. And usually it's the sons, it's the daughters, it's the nephews, it's the nieces that have to deal with the long consequences of a passing moment of sin. With the young adults, we've been going through the life of David. And David was feeling lazy. He wanted to stay home from war when he should have been out at war. He takes a moment. He goes out on his balcony. He sees a woman bathing. He, he calls to bring her to him. He has sex with her. He tries to cover it up. He gets her husband Uriah, one of his mighty men of valor, one of his faithful men, drunk. And later on, he murders him. Covering it up, he takes Bathsheba as his own wife, making himself look like a hero. And yet later on, Nathan the prophet tells David, even after David repents, that the sword will not depart from his own. And that's the good news, the bad news, and the reality. If you've been sowing to sin and sex and promiscuity for years and years and years, there's going to be consequences, but the Lord can heal and the Lord can restore. And better to be humbled before the Lord than humiliated later on. But Nathan tells David the sword will not depart from his home. And some of David's oldest children, Amnon, Tamar, Absalom, and Adonijah. Amnon, he's the firstborn son. He rapes his half-sister Tamar, and later he's murdered by Tamar's brother Absalom. Absalom, he avenged his sister Tamar by murdering Amnon. He would later set up a coup to take the throne away from David. David flees from Jerusalem, and in that moment, Absalom would go on to rape David's concubines on the top of the mountain where the whole city could witness it. Absalom later on in his rage would go off the battle hoping to kill his own father David. However, he would be killed when he got his head stuck in a tree by David's general. Adonijah, David's fourth son, attempted to take over the kingdom when David died. However, he would later on be executed by his brother Solomon, the rightful king of Israel. I'm sure if anyone would ask David, David, was Bathsheba worth it? Was it really worth it? All the pain, all the brokenness, all the heartbreak, was it really worth it? No, not at all. And there are many believers today, myself included, that have had sex or pornography in our past. And all of us can tell you it is not worth it. It will steal. It will kill. It will destroy. It will destroy your marriage. It will affect your children. It will affect you from here on out. Again, I tell young people, you're protecting your future spouse. You're protecting your future kids when you decide to stay pure for the things of the Lord. And I beg with you, I plead with you that you would do so. Back to Leviticus 18, verse 21. Again, they were called to be kings and priests. They were not called to be Egyptians. They were taken from there. They were not called to be Canaanites. God was expelling the Canaanites because they were doing these same exact sins that God is warning them of. Verse 21, you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire of Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. 
Molech was the pagan god of the Canaanites. He was worshipped by heating a hollow metal statue representing this god until it was searing red hot. And then its worshippers would go on to place a living infant on the outstretched arms of this statue. While they would beat drums louder and louder to drown out the screams of these children being burned to death. This was an abomination to the Lord. This was something horrible and disgusting to the Lord. Some scholars believe they worshipped this God in order to deal with their excessive children brought on by their promiscuity. It was their version of infant side. And today in our nation, we have abortion. Over 63 million babies. 63 million babies have been murdered since 1973. Again, do we not deserve God's judgment in our nation? Do we not deserve it? And again, the saddest thing of all is Israel would later on go on to worship Molech. Later on, they wouldn't be obedient to the Lord. They didn't follow the Lord their God. And again, if we've had an abortion in the past, Jesus wants to free you from that. But from here on out, use your life, use your story as a way to protect a baby later on. Allow the Lord to free you from that guilt and that shame. Know that you'll see that baby one day in heaven if you have that relationship with the Lord. But however, may we stand for these infants more and more and for their mothers that are hurting and broken as well. May we represent life because that's what Jesus represents. Life and that abundantly. Verse 22, it tells us, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Again, this is speaking of homosexuality. And the God of the Bible here in Leviticus 18.22 says to not do this and the Lord calls it an abomination. There are some churches that they've totally skewed this. They've totally twisted this. They've wanted to say that the Lord's okay with it, that he's a loving God. However, you cannot make any room for this within scripture. And again, I warn the parents here. I warn the young people here, are you trying to be an Egyptian? Are you trying to be a Canaanite? Or are you being the son and the daughter of God that he has called you to be? A couple scriptures real quick. Genesis 19 verse 5, God called to Lot and he said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them to us that we may know them carnally. God would judge the whole nation of Sodom and Gomorrah for their sin. In Judges 19, verse 22, it says, As they were enjoying themselves, suddenly certain men of the city, perverted men, surrounded the house, beat on the door, and they spoke to the master of the house, saying, Bring out the man who came to your house, that we may know him carnally. Again, this is sinful. The Lord does not stand for this. In 1 Kings 14, 24, God speaks that these perverted persons in the land, they did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord had cast out before the nation of Israel. Again, the very same warnings that we're reading of today, later on in 1 Kings 14, the nation of Israel themselves would begin to do. In Romans chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, it warns us of the progression of, of people that continue to resist God. And he says, For this reason God has given them up to vile passions, for even their women exchange the natural use for what is against nature. 
Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites will inherit the kingdom of God. Again, there are many other scriptures. Jude chapter 1 verse 7, 1 Timothy 1.10. The Lord throughout scripture, he says, this is not the way. This is sinful. This is an abomination. Finally, Jesus himself, Matthew 19, verse 4 through 6, he quotes Adam, right? Or rather, Adam quoted him, and then he quoted it afterwards, right? Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning, he made them male, and he made them female. At birth, they were made, they were given their gender, if you would. They were created to be a male or created to be a female, And he said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father or mother and be joined to his wife, female, and the two shall become one flesh. Again, I got to say that our, some brothers and sisters in the faith, they chase this as the only witch hunt in sin. When there's many sins that are running rampant in our world today. Right? If we would only deal with pornography within the church, as the church tries to deal with homosexuality today, we would be better off. However, there's no doubt, there's no way to skew scripture to try to say that this is okay in the sight of God. He doesn't tell us to hate them. He tells us to love them, to even love our own enemies. And they're not our enemies. The Lord wants us to love them. They are simply bent towards the sin, just like each and every one of us were. Each of us are bent towards a sin. Some of us, we deal with anger. Some of us, we deal with pornography. Some of us, we deal with stealing. Some of us deal with anxiety. And some deal with homosexual tendencies. But the Lord wants to free you from that. The Lord wants to take those sins and wash you and make you new no matter what sin you're dealing with. Each of us, we were born a certain way, right? Kids, they're born a certain way. Babies are born a certain way. But we don't allow them to continue in those same actions, right? Make it a little lighter. You think of the babies in the kids' ministry. Every once in a while you get a bite warning, right? A kid goes rabid and starts biting other kids, right? Sorry if that's ever happened to you. What do we as parents do? Ah, they're just born that way, man. It's okay, right? It's okay for them to bite around. It's okay. No, our kids' ministry will be empty if we just let them live how they want to live, right? Ah, man, my kid, he has this tendency. He gets... You know, those, those Montessori wooden toys, he loves them. But he loves to bash the other kid in the head with them with those Montessori toys, right? It's okay. They're, they're born that way. You just got to let them be, right? No, it, it's sinful. We shouldn't hate them. We shouldn't be fire-breathing or foaming at the mouth. They, many of them are brothers and sisters that are struggling, but we need to speak the truth. They need to be saved. They need to be freed. God wants to make them a new creation, the old being gone, and the new coming. That's what the Lord desires. And there are many ministries, there are many people that now are husbands and wives and have families who once struggled with these same sins. It's not just locked on this and now you're just stuck in this for forever. Just like there's many men and women here that had sex before marriage. And the Lord is able to free them from that, take away that old creation, and make them new in Christ. Verse 23, got to run through this quickly. 
You shall not mate with any animal to defile yourself with it, nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is perversion. Again, this is speaking of bestiality. And some of us, we read this, we say this is gross, this is crazy. However, this is on many pornographic websites today. There's people watching stuff like this. There's people doing things like this today. And the warning from the Lord himself is once you open the door to go against God and his manual and his instructions, there's no stopping Pandora's box. The moment you open the door, the moment you say, hey, you can have sex before you're married, or there's just no stopping it. Because if he's not the author of it all, then who is Who can stand there and say, no, I'm the author of it. It has to stop here. It can't go further than here. No, once you open the door, you cannot stop it. Within this month, there was a college professor on Twitter speaking out about MAPS and how MAPS weren't that evil. MAPS stands for Minor Attracted Person. And they were standing as a professor in our nation saying that this isn't that evil. You shouldn't call them a pedophile. It's two different things. Family, as we continue to open the door to more and more sexually, this is the next stop. We have to continue to guard our kids. We continue to have to hold the line and stand for the author and the book that gives us the roadmap to every facet of life. Verse 24 and 25, do not defile yourself with any of these things. For by all these the nations are defiled, which I am casting out before you. For if the land is defiled, for the land is defiled, therefore I punish. I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it, and the land vomits out its inhabitants. Every once in a while you have someone reading through the Old Testament saying, How evil is the God of the Old Testament, right? Why would he wipe out these Canaanites? What did the Egyptians ever do to him? What did these people ever do? Verse 24 and 25 tell you why. They were practicing. All of the sins we just read, this is exactly what the different nations within Canaan were practicing. And God says even the land itself is disgusted by what's taking place within these nations. And God, in a sense, shows grace to these nations and he gives them 400 years of grace and mercy as the nation of Israel is in Egypt. And God says, hey, one day I'm going to clear out the land of Canaan and the Canaanites, they're in sin, but I'm going to wait four generations to do so. And God has enough grace to give grace and mercy to people committing these atrocities for more than 400 years. That's why God moves the nation of Israel in there. And then he warns them, if you live like them, I have to treat you like I treated them. Again, what a warning to us. If we live like them, God is going to have to treat us like he treated them. We have to be careful. We say we're a Christian, but if we're living just like the world, we're living in a question mark. Let's have that conviction and cry out to the Lord that's ready and willing to accept us and forgive us for all our sins and all our unrighteousness. It's also interesting, right? Jesus, as we're going through the book of Revelation, Jesus says that being not hot and being not cold, what does it cause him to do? It wants him to spit them out. That's to vomit them out. Again, the same idea with sin. We can't be playing with it. Verse 26, you shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments and shall not commit any of these abominations, either any of your own nation or any stranger who dwells with you. 
For all these abominations the men of the land have done who were before you, and thus the land is defiled. Lest the land vomit you out also when you defile it, as it vomited out the nations that were before you. For whoever commits any of these abominations, the person who commit them shall be cut off from among their people. Again, we read this a lot in chapter 17 too. Anyone who's committing these abominations, they are to be cut off from among their people. The New Testament tells us that if a brother or sister is living in sin and unrepentant, it tells us to not even eat with them. Again, that's the New Testament version for us. We are to be the salt and light of the world. Know that Jesus, he would send them out two by two. This isn't for us to make our own colony in the back 10 acres, right, and build huge walls and we're just us four no more and we stay there safe and sound. No, we have to be salt in this world. We have to rub shoulders with sinners because guess what? I'm a sinner too, right? All of us are sinners. However, the, the game changer is when you have someone else that's saying, hey, I'm a Christian like you. I'm going to heaven like you are, but they're living in habitual sin. That's where God's word tells us to not even break bread with a person like that. Verse 30, you shall keep my ordinance so that you do not commit any of these abominable acts which were committed before you, that you do not defile yourselves by them. I am the Lord your God. Again, all of these sins, they're abominable. All of them. All of them are evil. All of them will defile you. All of them are sinful and disgusting. So again, each of us in our own lives, let's look for that plank. Let's deal with the plank in our lives so we can help out our brothers and sisters with the specks in their eyes. And again, what a time to pray for our nation. What a time to pray for our nation. As so many of these things that we read about tonight, it's just what's status quo. It's just what's status quo. It's just what's happening. It's just what's being pushed in many of the universities today. It's what's being pushed in colleges today. That we'd be praying for our nation, praying for our sons and daughters. And more and more at a younger and younger age. I'm sorry if I scared any of you sixth graders tonight or any of you parents of sixth graders tonight, right? More and more at a younger and younger age, you got to get the jump on the world. And the world is going to want to give them a perverted view of sex. And as moms and dads, God has equipped us to live in this time, right? We shouldn't be boo-hoo, I got to raise kids in 2021 and 2022. No, the Lord has made you a parent at this time. And he wants to strengthen you to make the next David, the next Esther, the next Daniel. But we need to be that mom and dad that's raising them in the things of God. Right? You read about Moses and the small amount of time that his mom had with him. That would cause him later on to look at his people in slavery and look at the freedoms that he would have had in the palace. And he said, I'd rather be with my brothers and sisters in slavery than have this passing pleasure of sin. Again, may we be on the ball. May we be on guard. 